0: hello and welcome to another sports next door podcast my name is owen today is thursday march 10th super mario day and i am joined that as i fun. always am by my neighbor max how's it going my friend
1: very well nice and relaxed boozed up in the middle of a 3 day uh, off work streak pretty much just been playing pool and chilling all day life muy bien how are you oh
0: i am buzzing
1: not only oh, because
0: <laughs> not only because of mario day but more importantly your boy sunday march 27th is going to canada jamaica oh it's on like donkey kong pardon the word play but I, see what <laughs> I am going to attend hopefully the biggest party in canada that we have seen since march 2020 uh two years later bemo field absolutely sold out it's going to be 30 000 to 40 thousand strong in the stadium bumping as canada looks to clinch a spot in the world cup for the first time in 30 years i am absolutely stoked i cannot wait and yeah just buzzing right now off the adrenaline of now having something to look forward to right you mentioned it with the concerts i now have this event that i have circled on the calendar and i could not be more excited
1: i was getting the tickets
0: i wouldn't know i was wow. working if my uh my friend and i we split the the canada red and white membership He had the time logged on at 10 procured four tickets uh section 110 row 30 so we are in the we are in the lower section it was not cheap but not it was uh i can just say it on here's 120 bucks a pop oh which is that's just like yeah nose to see the leafs yeah exactly right it's a whole different realm when you're talking soccer but for some people they got priced out a little bit because if you are doing four tickets at 120 plus the $50 of buying the membership to have access to the presale does get expensive uh if if you are looking to get tickets and up until that point I imagine you could have found a ticket for 10 bucks to go see previous Canada games
1: yeah that's true but I'd still imagine then like those higher up Uh, worst vantage point seats are probably going to be the 30 to 50 dollar range i don't know if they'll uh, all be have been scooped up by the red and white membership or they were on the open market for some time but that um i mean as leafs fans that is a dream come true (laughs) tickets at that availability and cost
0: now i haven't taken a look yet but the tickets did sell out in pre-sale so, no one, no okay. general public got access to them. I haven't checked Ticketmaster yet, but I imagine there is going to be a pretty hefty resale margin here uh, as we do see some tickets rise. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But, uh, so like, go ahead.
0: <laughs> I think you cut out there on me. This is this oh. is the this is Zoom coming to, to effect. This is going to be an, a bit of an adventure on the podcast. What was uh, the question?
1: You you get to do some editing there for once, um <laughs> or not? You'll just let it flow. I don't know. The question was, I guess, if all the tickets sold out on that red and white membership, and you said forty thousand. Uh, quick maths: fifty times forty thousand is two hundred. Two hundred thousand two million that's nice money in the pocket the soccer canada
0: oh yeah oh yeah it yeah you cannot cannot complain i think two hundred thousands the 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 margin there and then you add in all the tickets when before they were not making it and i'm sure merchandise sales anything people can get a hands their hands on is is going out the door so A profitable venture. Hopefully it goes back into the team and the players, both in the men's and women's side. They have contributed so greatly to the progress of soccer in this country. And yeah, I just, I'm feeling great. It was a long day of work, but uh, (laughs) like my friend got the tickets around 1030 and I didn't check my phone until the end of the workday. And it was just such a nice, pleasant surprise uh, seeing that it was got. And uh, I'm just, I'm looking forward to it. This is gonna be the big, big event. Uh, (laughs) No masks for anyone, which will be interesting as well. It is outdoors though.
1: Do you think you're gonna go no mask? I will definitely bring one and then I will kind of read the room from there. (laughs) The one concert I've been to so far was uh, back in early December, kind of right before Omicron peaked or like hit. It, it was i think there were signs on the concert venue saying like mask required and then you walked past the bar and into the concert hall and maybe 10 percent of people were wearing masks and yeah yeah read the room i was like i'm not doing this
0: yeah the masks are long gone we will know for sure by saint Patty's next mm-hmm. thursday where i imagine it is going to be quite the event uh but yeah i cannot i cannot wait And with that note, we shall buzz along into our topics for today's pod. I know we've got some big, big football stuff. Yet another reason for me to be buzzing. Uh, My Denver Broncos making a huge trade. We'll talk about that in a second. And then we do also have a little bit of tennis talk. And we'll finish up with some hockey. Because despite the Leafs losing right now and Jack Campbell being sidelined with a rib injury for two weeks they do have a couple of players that are deserving of some awards. And that's definitely a conversation I wanna to get to.
1: No baseball this pod?
0: Yeah, congrats on reaching a tentative agreement, but I'll believe it when I see it.
1: There's a baseball bit for this pod. All right, let's <laughs> exactly. get to football.
0: Yes, let's do it. So NFL generally quiet. We did have that kind of combine stuff going on for a bit, but uh, I guess they believed it was long enough without any major news someone hit the big red button and just superstars everywhere getting moved trades being made salaries being accelerated and lots and lots of news to cover so the big news first of all coming out was aaron Rodgers becoming the highest paid player in the nfl after posting a last dance post at the beginning of last season, after speaking about the possibility of retirement, drawing us all in only to sucker punch us in the nose. And he's back for four more years at 200 million with the Green Bay Packers, a massive, massive contract that just continues to reset the quarterback market. And he realized there were some options out there to go chase Uh, a spot with another contender but really like Green Bay (laughs) they were the number one seed last year they made the NFC championship game the previous two years beyond that they're in a fairly weak division right now like you can just beat up on those Vikings Lions and Bears there's not really a challenger so they'll be guaranteed to win their division for the next couple years and so he thought this team is already built well We just need a couple things to break right. So he stays in Green Bay. Things are patched up for now, but a a massive deal that was shocking the term as well, because it did feel like he was getting closer to the end of his career, although still uh, an unbelievable couple of years back-to-back MVPs.
1: Two things. One, completely agreeing with you there, that nothing is guaranteed in the playoffs, but the Green Bay Packers, as close a guarantee as you can make to getting to the playoffs uh, this time in the NFL. And second, uh, maybe a bit of a chip on the shoulder, just looking at the legacy of Tom Brady. And um, if Aaron Rodgers can't, well, he cannot match the ring count guaranteed at this point in his career, but he can at least try and go uh and tie him up on the longevity or maybe outdo him yeah he definitely needs at least one more to ascend in that quarterback
0: conversation
1: yeah
0: all right and the price so of thought... the
1: quarterback set huh
0: yeah it's been set uh the news there is lamar jackson up for up for a contract extension as well who knows what he's gonna get based on what aaron Rodgers got but that's a For the Baltimore Ravens, that's a bit of a sticky situation because I don't think you want to spend that kind of money on Lamar. But that's where the quarterback market has been reset. And with the salary cap going up, he's going to ask for that. And if you end up franchise tagging him, it's going to be a very significant dollar figure either way. Interesting to see how they handle that. But then we had the news that one-upped this news that had me Rocking in my seat for most of the day, absolutely fired up. It is a similar story to what we saw way back in 2013, 2012 range when Peyton Manning became a Denver Bronco. Russell Wilson going from Seattle to Denver in exchange for Noah Fant, Shelby Harris, Drew Locke, two first round picks, two second round picks, and a fifth round pick. It's a lot to break down here. There's a lot of assets going both ways, obviously <laughs> a lot more going one way than the other. Uh if you turn the picks into players, it's essentially a 2 for 8 trade in terms of bodies and I honestly think it's a great deal for both sides. Denver is a team that as a fan just subpar Even average quarterback play is just so unsatisfying to watch in the modern day NFL, like the difference between some of the top tier quarterbacks in this league compared to the rest. It's so frustrating and you just cannot win in this league without a quality quarterback. And so that is what Denver has acquired. Obviously, there are some questions about Russell Wilson's performance in the last two years, but even as a base level, we know he's a top 10 QB the trade hall going the other way. I don't think there's anything too significant involved in this trade. I thought for sure one of Jerry Judy or Bradley Chubb would be involved in this deal or you're adding more first round picks. But Denver only loses two firsts and two seconds. Those are pretty significant. uh, And those picks do have much more value in the NFL than they do in other sports. But then Noah Fant, great tight end. I don't think he's a top Five tight end in the league, but definitely starting caliber, and it's gonna hurt to miss him. And then Shelby Harrison, Drew Locke are just are guys you're happy to throw in when the when the return is Russell Wilson. So as a Denver fan, I don't think we gave up too much. Some people do, but you get Russell Wilson, and as soon as he steps on the field and throws that first beautiful deep ball to KJ Hamler or to Cortland Sutton or to Tim Patrick or Jerry Judy or Albert O, like all of, the, all of the picks will be forgotten. It's a very similar strategy to what we just saw from the Super Bowl champion, LA Rams. They don't have a pick until God knows when, 2025, 2026, but it doesn't matter because they won. And that's all fans care about when it comes down to it is are you winning that season? Uh, and I'm looking forward to the ride. It'll be interesting to see if there's any adjustment on Wilson's side. I think the Broncos' offense actually does fit well into this strengths. He's never been a middle of the field type guy. Um, he does love to fire it to the outside, and I think Broncos have some line of scrimmage winners. So I'm looking forward to it, and I could not be happier with the trade. I think it's a great deal.
1: Yeah, kind of fun, um, just hearing your updates season by season because. I think the first football related text you've ever sent me, but what instantly goes into my brain is Denver, a team really just missing a quarterback and Seattle, a team with a quarterback too good for where the rest of them are. So that's just some free market economics going to work there.
0: Exactly. One team trending up, one team trending down. Another big move from Seattle was they did cut, uh, basically hall of famer, Bobby Wagner, um that frees up about 20 million dollars in cap space it looks like they are going to attempt a rebuild starting this season and bobby wagner is going to have his pick of the litter in terms of teams that are interested in him uh, he's a fantastic player and he's going to hopefully go find a a suitor that is chasing a ring and he can have a high level impact because he's been great for many 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 years now it is an end of the though for the Legion of Boom. Now that Bobby Wagner is gone, that is the last of that amazing defense that did win one Super Bowl. Uh, Probably should have won one more, but we will remember them. Uh, Me, not so fondly because they did kill my Broncos in the Super Bowl way back when. Uh, But yeah, interesting to see things move and time Mm -hmm. continues to tick. Another big move that happened later on that day, Carson Wentz, finds another home he now moves to the washington commanders that feels weird to say <laughs> yeah
1: that, or that was the first time i've heard those words actually
0: yeah this is a bizarre bizarre name we'll get used to it he Honestly, goes to washington. washington
1: football team took like one episode yeah and then we'll see that oh.
0: It it does roll off the tongue anyway. better yeah the Colts are on to their sixth quarterback in six years now, or that's what it feels like, at least not really since Andrew Luck, but they the quarterback carousel continues for them. They're gonna have to try and figure out who is going to be the next person that they fill. Will it be through draft? Will it be through trade? Uh, or yeah, interesting to see what happens there, but that's another team like Denver that's just looking for that quarterback to really fill up a solid, solid roster. And if you're Carson Wentz, and if you're Washington, I don't really understand the trade for the commanders. Um, They're a team as well, missing a quarterback, but I don't think they're as far along as an Indianapolis or a Denver. And so getting a average to even below average quarterback at this point in his career with the injury history, it doesn't make sense to give up draft capital for him. And so they must really believe in what they've seen and that he'll be able to recoup some of the magic that he had
1: way back in 2016 do you think it raises the floor or the ceiling more for this washington team i think it rate
0: i think it moves their window a little bit and i think he's definitely a better quarterback than taylor heinicke i just i don't think he has it anymore so it might raise their floor marginally but i don't think the ceiling changes on this team what is going to change the ceiling on this team is their defense taking another step forward after not doing so last year and and they do have the playmakers and the potential to have a really strong defense didn't happen last year maybe if carson Wentz can control time of possession a little bit more then this team will end up being stronger because their defense is spending less time on the field uh, meaning they can be more effective in shorter stints
1: yeah my thoughts when i Think about these type of types of acquisitions. Then the intangible value you add is generally a floor raising thing for a team that wants to come up. Um, I'm struggling to think of a good example of it at the moment, but. You acquire that veteran leadership um, and someone who somewhat knows what it's like to win, just knows the process, has been around the league for a long time, and it does teach those new players a lot of things. Uh, And even if that's only for a season or two, um, as Carson Wentz's journey around the league continues, some improvements can be brought maybe, but I would think that happens a lot more within the offense than the defense
0: we will definitely see we will definitely see i imagine it's not set in stone that he will be the starter but it's probably about an 80 20 chance between him and
1: whoever else they bring in to compete for the job quarterback competition seems to go a lot better than goalie competition just for the ego and mental health of players (laughs)
0: well you normally only see a quarterback competition when both of them are not as good so it is interesting like you could have a goalie competition and then both be really solid Whereas with your quarterbacks, when you see a quarterback competition, it usually means that they're both around average. And so your team is just trying to figure out what's going to work week by week. Fair enough. All right. Last trade to get to here. Big one near the end of the day today, and it is turning into an arms race. Last year, we saw the arms race in the NFC West with DeAndre Hopkins, with Jamal Adams, with all of the guys that the Rams went out and acquired. Uh, Now, we're getting an arms race in the West, but it is in the AFC. Russell Wilson to the Broncos. And then the Los Angeles Chargers, seeing the Chiefs and the Broncos (laughs) across the table from them, Uh, they go out and they get Khalil Mack from the Chicago Bears That is a massive, massive pass rushing piece to put alongside Joey Bosa on that defensive line. And those are two guys who can really get to the quarterback at a high level. And it's going to be terrifying for Patrick Mahomes and Russell Wilson and Derek Carr in that division. But the AFC West, the talent continues to accumulate. The level of competition goes up. It's going to be a bloodbath in this division next year. and. I just can't wait, because all you can really ask for is some good football. I know Russell Wilson's going to be solid, and as long as they have a line to protect him from these two beasts, I think they can beat him, but for the Chargers, that's a massive move to get this guy, and they really didn't give up too much, a second and a sixth. Um, If you're the Bears, you spent more to get Mack than what you end up getting back from later on, but This is a team that is trending down now they do need to kind of stock up the war chest, so to speak, so a second and a sixth is not a terrible return for a guy that you probably didn't need to have on your roster at this point anyways. The last thing I'll say for the Chargers is Khalil Mack fantastic fantastic player Um, always going to be an upgrade at that position over most players in the NFL I just don't know if it solves the area of need for this Chargers defense. Their run game was very porous last year. And Khalil Mack, more known for being a pass rusher rather than a run stopper. And so it will be interesting to see. I I would say that Denver, Kansas City, not the strongest running games. I think the Raiders maybe have the best run game out of any teams in the AFC West, but it is definitely an advantage for offenses uh, right now against this Chargers defense that they can't stop the run. Don't know if Mack fixes that, but there could be some other adjustments made. On the defensive side of the ball for the Chargers next season and it's really I think all four of these teams can really contend for a playoff spot so very exciting stuff that's going to do it for football fan cave. we're jumping in here tennis talk max has got a very concentrated look on his face as he preps for this segment but like we said uh the fifth major the fifth grand slam perhaps Indian Wells Getting underway, and Max is here to break it down for us. What do you got?
1: I've got a lot of confusion at the moment. Um, just as I was doing my last little peek through the draw, I realized where Novak Djokovic's name was supposed to be. There is now one Gregor Dmitryov, um, which has changed since the last time I looked, and just browsing through the AP, ATP stories and news, it's not. I'm not seeing any withdrawal announcement so I'm not really sure what's going on there I don't know if you've heard anything about this
0: I have not heard anything about this either Uh, I can do a quick search of the internet here while you talk about some of the other pieces of the draw but that is yeah I don't know what to tell you
1: Yeah, feeling a little unprofessional on that, but I really did look into it yesterday and he was sitting there in that number two spot in the draw at the bottom. Um, What I had prepped to do for this was go through my top 10 players in order who I think have the best chances at winning this tournament. And Novak was at the number one spot, which I thought was gonna be some fun back and forth banter in and of itself. But with that said, we're going to move right along to that number two spot, Rafael Nadal. here we go. Uh, While I was automatically listed in the BNP opus and Miami open draw, I knew it would be unlikely I'd be able to travel. The CDC has confirmed that regulations won't be changing. So I won't be able to play in the U S good luck to those playing in these great tournaments. One Novak Djokovic, uh, oh man if he can't play my cakes
0: looking better
1: (laughs) it really is unless all these mandates end in a month um we might have to dedicate a whole pod to a sporting legacy um toppled by a bizarre hill to die on but we'll leave that where it is and move on to the tennis for now so Of my top nine players to win this tournament, the one I give the best chance to is the only one undefeated this year who has also won at least one tournament, two in this case, Rafael Nadal, 15-0 to start 2022, two wins over the number one seed in the world. What else can you say? Both of them are on hard court, which this tournament will also be. And it's really... Just gonna be more of the same required from him. Uh, His draw, not looking horrendously treacherous. Uh, His second round should be fun. He'll either be playing Korda or the Australian Kokinakis. I definitely butchered that. Um, Both players who have had a pretty good start to 2022, up on the rise. Uh, so maybe that'll be interesting. Third round, not looking too, too tricky. Fourth round, he could see Chapo Olive again if Chapo can once again get by Riley Opelka. Um, but again, Nadal able to get through Chapo, although the two have had two wonderful matches in the last calendar year. Going back to, I want to say it was Barcelona. They had that clay three setters at a 1,000 Masters event and then obviously the Australian five-setter that saw Chapeau get so close and go to five sets Uh, and then yeah so he if he can get through that he'll see Medvedev in the semis again a player he's gotten by twice already and then yeah that if he makes it all the way there he's 100% the favorite to win no matter who he's facing in the finals My number two spot, of course, then goes to the number one seed, Daniel Medvedev. Uh, He's going to have a pretty tough run of this draw looking at it. Um, Good chance he sees Monfi in the third round who's had a pretty solid start. Uh, And then a good chance he either sees Carlos Alcaraz or Roberto Bautista Agu. We'll talk about Alcaraz more in a second, but the 18 year old is on fire at the moment. Uh, Batista Augu taking a 250 event last month, and then the round after that, um, his two most likely options would be Cam Nori, the guy who won this tournament last year and had a solid February, or Stefano Sitsipas. Um, a matchup that Medvedev does often get the better of, but it just creates wear and tear because he's gonna have to go through all that and then most likely face Rafa. So their match history aside, how these past two have gone, just based on what they have to go through to get to those quarters, I'd give Rafa the edge. But with him also taking two wins on hard court already this year, it's kind of a no-brainer, despite that. Um number one seed in the world he did make it to the finals at the australian open rafa's really the only guy who's had his numbers so far and he's got that tenacity you look at how he lost to Djokovic, uh at the australian last year and then came back and just played such a hell of a match in the us open finals and kept novak just grounded it would not surprise me at all to see him do something similar at rafa so nadal definitely the favorite but you can't count Medvedev out and that's what makes tennis such a fantastic sport my number three position goes into the bottom half of the draw. Andre Rublev, definitely the best February anyone on the tour had, taking two titles, or three titles, excuse me, in doubles. He's won as well. He's on a nine-match win streak. Uh, he's really just been playing fantastic tennis. No one's been able to stop him, and uh, he's gonna have a really. It's gonna be really fun when. Uh, the draw gets tight, and I'm I'm thinking of it as a bit of a bloodbath here. As we get into around, I think, the fourth round on this bottom half of the draw, it's going to be nothing but wonderful matchups. Uh, I guess Djokovic being out, dampening that a little. This bottom quarter of the draw spots 113 to 128 kind of wide open now i guess schwartzman uh probably the best chance there anywho i'm rambling a little my next spot the fourth giving to alexander Zverev, who's played two tough rough matches in 2022 uh one against chapeau and then one against Bublik in the merce finals but other than that he's looked sensational the olympic gold medal Winner last year, he gave Djokovic such a run for the money in the US semifinals. Uh, You know the temper is gonna be held really in check after getting kicked out in the Acapulco. Definitely a huge source of disappointment from him, so I'm expecting him to come in locked in, focused. Next spot, I think we're at number five now. Uh, Stefano Tsitsipas coming off a quick surgery or maybe that surgery was farther back yes it was um excuse me not a great February for Pass, losing to Felix in the finals at Rotterdam kind of whatever but then another disappointing loss um, at Marseille the next week which was supposed to be his chance to bounce back he did take doubles in mexico his first ever doubles title so the taste of victory still lingers on the tongue for him always value in that um but Sitsipas, zaverev and beratini who's my next contender just guys you who can play at the highest level of tennis in the world right now i'd say it's just a matter of them getting hot and then staying hot and beat them and those two have to walk in at 110% goat mode and unless those two do that if these three giants with their mobility their strength their precision play at that level they can play at just no one can touch them um so bertini kind of said most of it there but hardcore is always a threat um well he's even a threat on clay his strength is just so stupid it transcends surfaces um yeah a disappointing loss to alcaraz in rio a couple weeks back so uh revenge far from possible in this draw and not too likely those two match up Um, But yeah, there he just when a guy's quiet for a while, you kind of hold your breath and wait for him to bubble up. Mateo kind of occupying that spot in my mind. I won't say the dark horse word because that's a little cursed at the moment coming from my lips. So I'll save that for a little later. Uh last two spots. Number eight, I've got our Canadian Felix Auger Aliasim. Uh that. Uh, I I feel like I've said he had a great February enough times now that it's getting a little stale with him not having played any matches since I said it last, but all rested up coming off that win, the finals appearance against Rublev, fantastic stuff from Felix. Excited to see what he has. Excuse me. I guess I had Felix at number seven, not number eight, because then I have Cam Nori at number eight. Uh, really solid bounce back February after a disappointing January for the Brit on uh, that solid February that saw most impressively in my books him take out Opelka at Delray uh, combined with the fact that he is the defending champion in this draw and you never know if that lights the right spark under a guy give him the, the nod and that just nudges him slightly ahead in my eyes of the Polish Hubert Herkaz um his best performance at any atp event the magnitude being considered coming almost a calendar year ago in miami so that can be fresh off his mind he's been a bit more disappointing in 2022 than really any of the other players i've mentioned here um, but just when you look at the draw the seeding of the players the level they've played at over the past year i give hubert the nod for my last spot which is the ninth Uh, quickly i've got two dark horses i'll talk about uh dennis shapovalov It, it pains me not to put him in the top 10 and i could have i guess put him in the 10th spot now that novak is out but in my eyes he is still a dark horse at these level events um he loses a little too consistently to guys he shouldn't lose to. And then he will put up wonderful fights. And you think about this Vareva upset in uh, the Australian. And you think about his run to the semis at Wimbledon last year. Of course, he has it in him. Um, the consistency just a little lacking for me to have the confidence little t- nervous he has to beat opelka again to earn his uh chance for revenge at nadal and opelka just a tough ask um unless chapeau can get a break early those nerves of steel shootout matches tend not to go his way he did do it last time and less sets that he has to uh weather that opelka serve i think is to his advantage but then the Nadal matchup right after that um and how it's gone the last two times where Chapo does have some success but is never able to pull it off has me nervous um really hoping to be proven wrong on that one and then my other dark horse Carlos Alcaraz I don't I think you were off like after the his big win in Rio and we didn't talk about it oh but the 18 year old becoming the youngest player to ever win an ATP 500 level event which was introduced in 2009 so we're not going back 100 years when we would make that statement or anything and um, he
0: just beat out Felix for that too because Felix is a young guy as well
1: yeah, and Novak, Nadal and Roger are all well past that age by the time that category is introduced. So I'm sure if there were 500 level events, we might have seen one of them have at least gotten close to that record. And maybe then it's just a matter of who's born in January or no, excuse me, who's born in December. Yeah. Um, But anyway, he's had a wonderful 2022 taking out Berrettini on clay Um, that I'm just so excited to see what the future holds for this kid, our next-gen ATP star from last year, uh, winning that 500-level event, taking out Berrettini along the way, who took him out at the Australian Open over a tough five-setter. Just a name we've really got to always keep an eye on over the next coming months, and that's it. That is our Indian Wells wrap up. We are into the first round of the draw at this point. None of the players I just mentioned have played yet, as they all do have buys. So it will be a couple days, Saturday, Sunday, before the names start getting heard, and then a couple days more before the matchups start getting a little more exciting. Uh, You death taxes and one or two of these players getting upset for sure but with 19 of the top 20 players in the world competing at this tournament um, I don't know if Novak was considered when that statement was made or it's someone else missing in the top 20 and it could be 18 but either way cream of the crop best of the best all playing in this tournament it's going to be fantastic tennis and i cannot wait till we get to the third fourth round and the bloodbath starts let's absolutely go cannot (laughs) wait to
0: catch some of that action this weekend Uh, i'll finally be visiting my family in toronto so i'll I'll definitely have time during the day to flip it on uh catch a couple sets hopefully because uh that's always a great time it also means that spring and summer are on the way. When I start flipping on tennis, that's a, it's always a good sign.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you can take some of the tennis talk portion segment for a change.
0: Perhaps, perhaps. All right. Let's finish up with a little bit of talking hockey here. The case is now starting to be made. Just as we have talked about in the NBA, the heart trophy in the NHL is one topic of conversation. Uh, it's got a couple of front runners, I'd say Igor Shesterkin in that conversation, always McDavid Dreisaitl are in that conversation. Uh, Jonathan Huberto has inserted himself into that conversation. But I would say a guy who belongs near the top of that list is Austin Matthews. And the season he's really put together is remarkable. Um he does have three games or four games in hand ahead of the three guys ahead of him in points. Um, and he is second in the league in points per game, uh, just behind Connor McDavid there. But 75 points, only six off the, the league lead after a relatively slow start by his standards. And leading the league in goals now by five. He has five more than the next person. And of course, goals in the NHL mean so much more than assists. Uh, right like goals are just you gotta have someone who can put the puck in the net it's it's immensely more valuable than someone who is a playmaker obviously both are incredibly valuable but a guy who can score like Austin Kent is is pretty once in a lifetime pretty unique I'd also like to highlight he is leading the league as well in even strength goals which I would say is even more impressive uh, again, a lot of power play specialists, but to do it at five on five, uh, he's a guy who's who's really effective and always impactful on both sides of the ice. I think his defense has been extremely underrated this season. He is so strong and does a great job taking the puck away from players. And then a small piece of it, but I really love to highlight with centers is, he has a 58% face-off percentage, which is really, really high for a guy of his offensive caliber and it leads to a lot of possession time in offensive zones that ends up with him getting points so awesome Matthews 100% should have his hat in the ring um, playing in a big market as well sometimes it hurts I think in this case it really helps Toronto's been in the spotlight for most of the season and despite the ups and downs they've had they are still have the fifth best record in the league uh, yet they may drop to the red-hot Arizona Coyotes of all teams tonight, the way things are going. Um, but I think he 100% should be there with the value that he's brought to this team. Without him, I don't know where they would be, um, and that is what true value is. And Austin Matthews, if he is knocking on the door of the Art Ross and he wins the Maurice Richard, I don't see any reason why he shouldn't win the heart as well.
1: You can make, like, however much value he is bringing to this team, Mitch Marner, Jonathan Tavares, and William Nylander should be able to at least bring the Leafs to the playoffs on their own. That is an argument that can be made. No one brings the Edmonton Oilers to the playoffs other than Connor McDavid. Um, And that's really the only thing difference i can see between them there's just so little depth on that edmonton team that that will always be an argument in mcdavid's favor and hockey doesn't seem to suffer the same repetition bias that uh, basketball mvp voting does um austin just needs to get whoever decides the ea nhl covers to be on the heart selection panel
0: what i will say with regards to Connor mcdavid he does have six more points than austin matthews but he is actually one plus minus lower uh and and some of the advanced stats back this up that he has been terrible in his own end this year gives up a ton of points just in the same way that he scores a ton of points matthew's better in that regard so i give him the slight edge right now just in terms of play austin is would be ahead of connor i think the real competition for the Heart Trophy at this point is Igor Shosturkin, who is having a carry Price level season. Uh, back when Price won the Heart, and yeah, it's going to be tough because he's also in a big market as well. So interesting to see the the kind of three four horse race down the stretch here. And the other race I wanted to talk about was a guy who benefits immensely from Matthews' scoring pace is Michael Bunting. And Michael Bunting now leads all rookies in points this season Um, a guy who is just squeaking under the rookie bar in a bunch of different categories but he still is eligible for the Calder and I think at this point he should win it just with the way that he's performed and Detroit definitely has two great players in Lucas Raymond and Maurice Sider that were ahead for most of this season but Bunting time and time again is either putting the puck in the net, setting up another guy or drawing penalties and doing the dirty work that's required to help out the two superstars that surround him on his line. And that's going to be a big piece and argument against why he should win the Calder. But uh, I think he has had the best season right now out of any rookie. And so definitely should be uh, a name near the top of that list for consideration as well. There's my piece. We don't need to touch on it too much more uh, until we get very late into the season. Um, Until then, another guy pushing for the MVP is Nikola Jokic. He has just put up some gaudy numbers in in the stat sheet over the last couple of games. It just feels normal at this point. Uh, He is playing against Golden State tonight in a potential playoff preview if they end up being the 3-6 matchup. I think if you're golden state it would not be ideal to play someone like Jokic, who they don't have anyone to really be able to defend him inside Uh, kind of the the one team that really would give the warriors fits at this point uh, if it came down to the playoffs and with murray and porter on the horizon could be a really exciting one for denver Uh, and then of course we'll (laughs) we won't be able to react in live time here to the Brooklyn Nets, Philadelphia 76ers. But it looks like Kyrie and KD putting on a show early. Can't wait to watch the rest of that one. And we draw ever near to March Madness. So we may have some more to talk about on Sunday. But until then, that is it for this one. Thank you everyone so much for listening. Uh, I hope you had a wonderful week and a wonderful Mario Day. I know I did. (laughs) And uh, we'll have some more updates for you on Sunday.
1: Yeah, I've got a hot tub and a pool to get to or a pool table to get to. So sports next door signing out.